your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. But I don't think we should. What about the scary skeletons? Shout startling shrilly screams. They'll sneak from the sofa curtains and just won't leave you be. Have you seen, uh, I haven't, I don't think I thought of that one enough. <laughs> Thank you. You like you read knew. my mind. Oh so no, I, I knew. Because I, I have uh, indeed seen it. <laughs> you have seen it. Okay. I have. Good. Yeah, I, I, I fucking loved it. And I loved, I did too. I love Guillermo del Toro, but it's just like, it's just like. He's such a beautiful man. From start to finish, it has this like French avant-garde feel. Yes. But it also has a fucking fish monster in it, and it just feels so. I don't. I didn't know what to think about it, and. Uh, I have the, many thoughts and yeah, feelings. Yeah, well, I'm gonna ask your opinion, but I want to start by saying uh, <laughs> you know cir- me so well. <laughs> the circumstances. Well, I had I had to bring it up because let's like bare bones. Shape of Water is a retelling of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but better. it's even it's even dated like a little bit you know mm-hmm. like i forget when it takes place but it's not like they're running around with smartphones you yeah know? no like, it's like um it's circa cold war so like 60s ish yeah like tentative that's a 60s. good point i forgot about the ruski the ruski mm-hmm. uh sideline just like how uh pan's labyrinth kind of takes place during like la revolution yes exactly um, which I do think is still my favorite movie by him, but Shape mm-hmm. of Water like definitely gave me a run for my money. See, I have not yet seen um, Pan's Labyrinth all the way through because Fuck. I am a little bitch. And when I was younger and when it first came out, I was like way too horrified to watch it all the way through. Like the second that Pale Man motherfucker showed up, I Absolutely. was like, goodbye. Absolutely. And, but you, <laughs> how, the tables, how the tables have tabled because now that I'm older, that same actor is playing this beautiful fish god and it's I'm done, like, wow, I'm totes going to ride that fish dick into the hell. <laughs> Off I go. So. Doug Jones is a glorious fucking I know. man. And it i couldn't help i couldn't help but wish the fish person had a, a you know a soft british accent just I so i could be like oh abe Oh, I know. Okay, so I went to see it with my friend, right? Um, my best friend, Bethany. I love her more than anything. Sure. And she is a massive Hellboy fangirl. Like, BPRD. massive. Yes. And yep. um, I actually watched Hellboy for the first time over break, too. Because yeah. I hadn't seen it. And when we went to see Shape of Water, she originally thought that it was an Abe Sapien movie. And that it was going um, into his origin story. And you know, then I looked it up yeah. and I got to be like, hey, hey no, it's its own thing. You know, the funny thing about that is Universal approached Guillermo del Toro to helm their entire uh, dark universe thing they've been taught, they've been trying to do and fa- and failing to do, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dra- It started with Dracula Untold, and then they, they tried to rehash and do the mummy, and mummy didn't do well, so now they're trying to rehash mm-hmm. and do Frankenstein, Brad of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Originally, they approached Gilmo and they were like, what do you want to start with, though? And he was like, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And they were like, fuck you. And he was like, no, fuck you. And he left. <laughs> I love and he him. wrote he wrote his entire movie for Shape of Water right after Crimson Peak. And he which which I didn't like, but I enjoyed 
as a aesthetic, aesthetically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I the, never and watched sp- Crimson Peak because I'm like uh, morally, I'm morally opposed to Tom Hiddleston in general. What does uh, that he's, mean? He's just against, he's against my religion. I just, I don't know. I think that there was so much like aggressive, like fangirling of Tom Hiddleston in my early Tumblr days <laughs> that I ended up like hating him just on principle. And honestly, the same with Benadryl Cumbersnooch. I just like... <laughs> I can't watch anything with him in it now because I just, like, get so, like, it just seeing their faces makes me, like, annoyed. Yeah. And I'm, like... <laughs> yeah, okay. And I'm starting no, to I get like that with Adam that. Driver. I think what brought me back to Hiddleston <laughs> a little bit uh, in that understanding is he did a film called High Rise a couple Ooh. years ago, which, um, he's quite psychotic in that movie, and, and I, and I... And I like. Him. I thought you were about to just stop there and be like, he's quite psychotic, and just like end it and be like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's it. But um, so anyway, he went. Guillermo went and did Shape of Water, and mm-hmm. you know, rest is history. And you know, Dark Universe or whatever the f- dick over at Universal is sucking so much ass that uh-huh. I can't help but just be like, hey, you y- know, y'all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, Del Toro is, like, the monster man. Like, he loves, because I just, Absolutely. I love, oh, and I love monsters so much. Yeah, I'm no. Sorry, I, you're going to have to bleep out your name. I love, the, no, I, love, I, could, I could cut the name out, and you could just say, I love monsters so much. Like, it's it's the same. It, don't even worry about it. Um, as, I just, I'm so in love with them. I always have been. I, I have, have a collection a of, like, the original Universal monsters, like, like classic posters that mm-hmm. I actually bought at a studio, I think, in, in like, Hollywood. <sighs> and they're fucking awesome. I'm jealous. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they're little. They're little, um, like screen prints almost. But what? you know, they're they're bullshit. Oh. They're touristy. But I needed them. I was about to say. I got, who I got, cares? I, got, who I, got I got an OG Godzilla. <laughs> I got an OG Godzilla. I got a Frankenstein. I got a creature from the Black Lagoon, and I think I got Dracula. Win win win. But win. they're, yeah. But they're the they're the OGs. I want to mm-hmm. start getting. Um, I want to start getting Mondo's of all of my favorite horror films, though. I want to start mm-hmm. like Mondo just recently did a whole run on John Carpenter's The Thing mm-hmm. to release with a board game that they were sponsoring, and everything they've released is fucking beautiful. And if you yeah. know me, you know that that like monster movie is like one of my favorite fucking monster movies. Oh yeah, definitely. I know that's I think one of the reasons that I liked Shape of Water so much is because of course it's a monster movie. You know, it's about a core, yeah. creature from the Black Lagoon. But like it but the um they what do they call him? The asset. He yeah. wasn't the monster in the movie. Yeah. And I just oh, I just He was it so but he much. wasn't, you know, he was but he wasn't. And I yeah. think that's the beauty of that's the beauty of, of that movie, because <laughs> if you watch, if you or if you remember anything about the original uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh-huh. then you know that, like, it's all just about how they how they capture or kill the animal. You know, none mm-hmm. of it, none of it would have been like this movie. This is kind of like a like a hundred years later sequel. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> To I think Creature that, from the Black Lagoon, yeah. <laughs> exactly, and it's just, you know, it's so funny because, um, like, I watched the uh, Golden Globes, sadly, and I... Um, yeah, apologize to yourself. Don't apologize uh, yeah, to me. No, no, I'm, I'm just sad that my time was wasted. 
Because, like, I I won't even get into that. But anyway, I, Del Toro's speech when he won Best Director was just so beautiful. And he, Uh his just, his love for monsters and for, like, the gross (laughs) things and how much he wants them to be loved. It just, like, resonated so deeply with me. (laughs) And in general, I think that um, my favorite thing about the movie is that Del Toro was sitting there and he was like, listen. He was like, there's going to be this fish man. And he's gonna fuck a lady. And they were like, and they were he like, did, wait. He did have to run it by a producer at some point and be like, you know, we're we're not going, we're not going to show it. But uh, the um, the lady, she uh, the lady, she uh, she get na- she get naked and she uh, she sit she get in bathtub with, uh, with with swamp with the swamp monster man and they they uh, and then we you know we we cut away we cut away. Guillermo, why do, what, what are we cutting away from? We, we cut away. We cut we away. Cut away. We cut <laughs> no, but you know he wanted to show it. He wanted <laughs> to show he it want more than anything. Did to show like an erect oh, no. fish penis? I don't, um, duh. I'm not yes. Quite, are you kidding maybe. me? He, no, it's a definite yes. And do you do know it why? If he then he could try and do it here. Exactly. And do you know why it's a definite yes? Because he sat there and literally, I was like reading through interviews because I was just so enamored with this movie at the end. And he literally came to Doug Jones and was like, listen, he was like, we're going to do a thing, but it's not Abe Sapien. I want him to be sexy. And like went on about how he wanted this monster to be like this fuckable um, yeah, being. He wanted and it then, to be, you know, this, this Adonis <laughs> godlike creature exactly. that like you can't help but either be magnetized by or be fucking uh, you know just disgusted with i mean you know, honestly, those are the two reactions <laughs> and i was absolutely on the i want to i want to fuck this things <laughs> that was me I, I was sitting in that theater like, like so jealous i felt of a Eliza. little dirty i felt <laughs> a little i felt a little funny but i was like i was like yeah you know if if that was a woman creature from the black lagoon i'd probably fuck it you know, I mean, just, Del just Toro like, even. Uh, <laughs> what's what's the, the shitty horror movie where the alien in, impersonates? Uh, she she always impersonates a, a hot naked chick and you know kills people when they fuck her. What's that series called? Oh, <laughs> you know, the only thing coming to mind is Teeth, and I know that's not right. That's but... not Teeth, but it <laughs> might as well be. I fucking love Teeth. Um, no, I know. it's something else, but uh, it doesn't fucking matter because it's bullshit. Anyway. I know. So, I mean, um, Del Toro literally went to the lengths of making sure that in the movie, you know, he did the cutaway like they wanted him to. But then later on, he literally makes sure that there's a scene where Eliza and her BFF Zelda are standing the there and she explains like, how it works. Had to understand <laughs> where the where the penetrative act came from. And she, uh-huh, literally, just... she literally almost like... <laughs> How? She's like, she, look, I can, I remember because guess what? I already knew how it worked. Yeah. So it's, you know, she, like a, like a, she was like, what kind of animal was it based off of? Like a shark, I think. Essentially. Yeah. Um, I think it's like general, like fish anatomy mixed with like general Human animal a, anatomy. A yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit. Man. Yeah. No, that scene fucked me. Scene, I literally that scene fucked me up. <laughs> I finished that movie up, and it was me and my friend, and we were just sitting there, like, "Wow, like 
I'm catch me trekking through an Amazon swamp, hunting for my own. <laughs> looking for my <laughs> my boy, looking for my yep. honey. Yep, exactly. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying. Actually, I'm totally saying. Like, who totally, wouldn't? That's totally fine. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of how like I feel about Mass Effect. It's like. You know, oh, if God. I was if I if I lived in the future and even if these things didn't have the right genitalia or or the same way I feel about like Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, you know, uh-huh. it's just like it was like how do we know Gamora has, you know, lady bits? You know, how how do mm. we assume that Drax, you know, has a a giant dong? You know, their species I mean, could we be know that's We true. do though. We, do. <laughs> we know that for a fact though. But like um you know, in Mass Effect, I'm just like, yeah, I'd fucking Asari. Absolutely. They're, I mean, they're weird wouldn't. squid heads. Absolutely. I know. That's how I feel about Turians. <laughs> I'm like, look at these awful reptile birds. I'm going to have sex with them. <laughs> yeah, they're confusing. But I, I imagine that they'd be, uh, they'd be well put together like mm. fish man mm. asset. More like That's his asset. It's so funny. It's so funny. Now you know I have now you know I have a type. <laughs> Vaguely reptilian. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's understandable uh so i mm-hmm. i might as well introduce you because we've been fucking joking for 15 minutes uh <laughs> i mean no it's fine that's how i like starting it um this is cannibal siren back for episode three hi it's me talking about fish dicks <laughs> me talking about fish dicks fish uh, i have dicks. to stand up for my people no it's okay as we some, are indeed someone fuckable. has to yeah i'm fish rights <laughs> <laughs> the funny fish thing about rights. my circumstance of having seen that movie is i didn't want to go out and get shit faced on new year's and i also didn't want to like go do coke in someone's basement you know i just wasn't in the mood mm. and i ended up going on a date with a girl Ooh. and while we're e- eating like seafood she's like you want to go see Shape of Water? Like, I've been wanting to see it, and I haven't had any... And I was like, yes. Yes, yes. And then after the movie, and then after the movie, she stopped uh, She stopped taking all of my advances. Uh, when we got out, she wouldn't hold my hand anymore. When, uh, when I got her back here, she wouldn't sit next to me on the couch. Oh, I started thinking, I started thinking, she just wants to fuck the fish guy. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm not I okay, I'm joking about that last part, but But are I'm, you? But I'm not joking about the rest. I actually ended up texting her the next day going, um, hey, so how comes after the movie you you know you 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 kept you kept not holding my hand like I'd go for it, right? I gave you my coat and you kind of like threw it at me <laughs> when you were done with it. <laughs> and I was like and then, you know, we get back to my, we get back to my place and we're sitting down like next to each other. And then you go to the bathroom and you come back and you sit away from me. No. I'm just like, I'm like, was there a reason for that? And her reason was she wanted me to try more. What? I'm going to play some kind of bullshit music right here to like express my emotion about how I feel about this. Yeah, that's a lot. But it's some, it's some level bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, I'm assuming there was not another date after that. Absolutely not. Okay. I don't, I, I draw a line in the fucking sand for, do I have, do I have to like hold you down? 
to be with me? No, I'm not doing that again. I'm I'm not doing that again. No, I mean, you know, holding someone down can be great in the right circumstances, but I think in that particular circumstance, it wasn't fun. No, no not not first date is what yeah. I is what I later rationalized. It's fun to joke about in the context of Shape of Water, but you know, uh, other ways it's it's funnier for me to assume. Yeah, I agree. No, I I agree. I like that. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> oh shit! So anyway, uh, about fish sticks. Um, Speaking. This first, yeah, this first story is from Unsettling Stories, and I know it's not going to go the way I want it to. Oh, boy. It's called The Trawl, mm-hmm. okay? It's called The Trawl. Um, the Trawl is like a ship that, like, casts a giant net to catch fish and crustaceans and the like. And um, I, it's in, the story implies that they catch something other than fish, but what I want the story to imply is that they catch a fish man mm-hmm. who the entire crew falls in love with. That's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> That's my yeah, story. So, can- so Cannibal Siren, um, is there anything you want to say before I have you read this to me? Um, If there's any fishmen listening to this, hit me the fuck up. Please sure. and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, that is all. What's... What's the what's the speaker that like you could play like underwater like the new technology? What do they oh, call those? Oh shit! I don't know. I know there's a word for my it. Friend but I don't know what the word is. My friend has one. My friend has one, and when he comes <clears throat> over and he's like trying to use the pool, I'm like, "Yo, let's throw that speaker in the pool," and he's like, "Nah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want it to get wet." And I'm like, "Me? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I'm like, what the? F-? It's like it says you could play it underwater for an hour and a half. Like what the?" We're not going to be in the pool for an hour and a half. I just want to fucking hear it. And he's like, nah, man. Nah, man. <laughs> I need it to stay anyway. dry. I think I'm going to write that story, though. Beautiful. They pull a beautiful fish man and end up for- forming like a polyamorous harem for him, which is exactly what I would yeah, do Yeah, wouldn't situation. that be something almost like Life Aquatic, but Bill Murray wants mm-hmm. to fuck a fish man. That's so nice. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would too. Wait, wasn't? Well, oh no, it wasn't him. It was that. Tom it Hanks was that was in. Water. I was thinking. Yeah, true. I was thinking of Splash. It was that cute little like fucking nineties yeah. mermaid movie with Tom sure. Hanks. Was, wasn't that a uh, Tom Tom Hanks uh, yeah. and, and what's her and what's her face from Blade Runner? Oh fuck, I can't remember her name. She had a name though. She did once. It was no, like it's it's a name, you know. Like I'm swinging, I'm swinging my arm because it's just like as opposed to what it's, Dar- it's, it's Daryl Hannah. It's Daryl Hannah. That's beautiful. You know why I knew that because of the arm swing. Yes, because it was like fucking '80s names, man. I know, I know. Daryl Hannah. I know. I always sometimes I wish that I had a cooler name though because I think my parents tried to do the like unique thing and now like everybody and their brother has this name because of goddamn celebrity culture it's just excellent. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, but but for your but for your age, mm-hmm. I don't know many women like our age that have your name. True. It's more of a like. 
bitches 10 years younger than you. <laughs> I know. All these little motherfuckers are going to show up with my name and Just I'm going to be ruining like, your fucking name. I'm going to be like, yeah. get away from me. This was mine yeah. first. I always feel like a strange, like murderous urge whenever I meet somebody <laughs> with my name. I'm always like, hmm. I'm like, that's mine. Sure. You can't sure. have it. <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. Really? Not even a little bit. <laughs> Not even a little bit. No, I, I hate my name. <laughs> I, I like your name. <laughs> I think it's nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think it's what I would have named my imaginary love interest when I was like 13. <laughs> okay. All right. I think it could be worse, right? Sure. Your name could be like uh, really fucking nerdy. That's That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what what kind of world I would I would live in if my name had been Theodore. Oh God! <laughs> you know, Harold. You know, I'm, I'm thank I'm thankful for yeah. You know, I'm thankful oh. for that. I am. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, same. My dad was pulling for Catherine because you know he's Irish, and thank thank God, my mom was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I don't know. Catherine has a kind of seventies jivey. True. I'm into it. True. I'm I think in, I would have or, only or liked like it if they British. spelled it with a K. I would have just pretended to have a British accent my entire life. <laughs> if my name was Catherine. Oh, I knew a kid and he um he actually had the male version of my name, right? And he spent his entire like my entire time knowing him, he pretended to have a German accent and nobody figured it out until they met his mom because she taught at the high school and she like wasn't <laughs> German at all. Not even like a little bit. <laughs> Wow, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, but you know what? He never stopped. Damn. <laughs> Even well, after people you. found it out. You do you, man. I know. You know? <laughs> Props to you, dude, that's wherever pretty... wherever you are. Wherever you're at. Good for him. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you, you, uh, you, you good to read? Yep, I'm ready. All right, so this this first one is called The Trawl from Unsettling Stories. Ready for action? Mm -hmm. Okay. We dredged something up from deep underwater. It turned out to still be alive. Partly alive. Something like alive. I wanted to explain how it looked, but every time I thought about how to describe it, I got the worst mental block. Everything went foggy, and my head started to hurt. Even when I remembered how it spilled out onto our deck with thousands of dead fish, I was overcome with the sensation of nausea that left me gasping for air. God damn. <laughs> fish sticks. Perfect. That's why once it stopped thrashing, yes, that's how it moved by thrashing, I remember how it knocked over a bunch of equipment. I asked one of the guys to start taking pictures. Not a single one came out right. They were all blurred beyond repair and dotted with multicolored splotches. So all I have is my memory. While I couldn't picture how it looked, I knew it was nothing like I'd seen before. Nothing like any of us had seen. All this happened last week. The creature is gone. From the best we can remember, it hurled itself back over the side of the boat. (laughs) None of us are certain of that, mind you. It's just the best explanation we can come up with together. Why why does that make you laugh? (laughs) 
It was just, I don't know, it's just like... He's like, y'all pulled me up, it. fuck you! <laughs> He's like, like, they pulled this creature up and it's like thrashing around and giving everyone memory blank spots and that little fucker takes one look at the crew and is like, bye, bitches, <laughs> and backflips off of the ship into the ocean. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like... It's just middle fingers up, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's me. That's why they call me Cannibal Siren. I've never actually eaten anybody, but every time I've been caught, I just backflip back into the ocean, screaming, "Not today!" <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. All five of us have started getting sick after that day. I told everyone it's just the flu, that we're in close proximity all day, every day, in the cold rain and wind. If anyone's gonna get sick, it would be us. But deep down, I didn't think that was the case. My teeth had started to loosen. There was blood in the sink when I brushed them. We went about our business and hauled up our catches, brought them to shore, and went back out. Gray waves met the gray sky on the horizon and my ears had grown numb from the endless white noise of the sea. Two days ago, Vernon jumped overboard. The four of us were working at the stern and Vern was at the bow. We never saw him go in, and he never came back up. Under any other circumstances, we would have radioed that a Coast Guard. We would have been devastated by the loss of our colleague and friend. But a mood unlike any I've ever experienced had come over us. We had to go ahead, forward into the cold North Atlantic. At night, my dreams were vivid, yet abstract. Colors with shapes and curves, but no edges, no lines. All the while, a voice was singing to me, cooing, crooning. Yesterday, Amal and Billy held hands and jumped off the port side of the boat. Gervasso and I watched them go. We didn't say a word to one another, we just went back to our respective areas of our vessel. We traveled a good couple hundred miles further out to sea that day. Last night as I slept, I poked my tongue around the new holes in my gums where my teeth had fallen out. I pressed against the loose ones and a few fell back against my throat. I remember the feeling as I swallowed them. My dreams were full of song and color. Opening my eyes to the gray morning made me want to go back to sleep. Gravasso embraced me after breakfast and stood on the bow of the ship. He made three deep slits on each side of his neck and then toppled into the water. <laughs> the last thing he said before he caught himself was, I'm going to hear them sing. Why, why do you giggle, Captain? It was, it, it, <laughs> oh, was, Captain. it was actually, uh, what he, what he actually was saying to himself, and I hate myself for saying it, is, I know D-Way. And he, oh uh, and he, he cut Ugh. his, he cut, he cut his gills, and he went to live like the fishmen live. I just cut my wrists when you said that. <laughs> like, just now. I'm gonna spend the rest of this podcast bleeding out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's alright. It was it was time. I had a good run. <laughs> okay. Today by mid morning, all my teeth had fallen out. I looked at my new smile in the mirror. It was inhuman. Ben thick. Like the mouth of a strange pink fish. With the boat on autopilot, I stumbled to my bed and began a nap. It, I, can you just put a boat on autopilot? Is that a thing? I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I, just the... Uh, no, 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 it's just the, uh... It's when you pull back the lever and it just kind of... Full steam ahead just stays on that course. It's like when you put your car on... Uh... What's it called? Cruise control? Cruise, cruise control. 
said coast control. Cruise control. Same thing, right? Yes. Thank you, Captain. Captain, my captain. <laughs> I am a captain. Yes, you are. After all. <laughs> I wasn't picking up on that. <laughs> I drive boats. <laughs> <laughs> that was really convincing. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You are welcome. Uh, I spend all my time swimming alongside them, so that's why I have no fucking idea how boats work, apparently. <laughs> Grew up on a coast, but no, I was in Sea Scouts. No fucking idea how a boat works. <laughs> sure. No, it happens. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway. Okay, with the boat on autopilot, I stumbled to my bed and began a nap. It was short, but full of the song and color I'd hoped for. There, swimming inside the fountain of shimmering iridescence, was the creature we'd seen. I still can't describe it, but my feeling of discomfort while trying to recall it is gone. All gone. In fact, the thought of it carries a beacon of welcome and hope. Ever since opening my eyes after the nap, I can still hear the singing. It's coming from far below the boat, miles and miles beneath the icy ocean. As I look out and see the gray all around me, I feel starved for color. As I reach out and feel the icy wind buffeting me, I feel deprived of warmth. I know what I have to do. I know where I have to go. At the bottom of all this water, I can find what is serenading me. All I have to do is jump. <laughs> Ultimately, what I wanted to say was I actually really like that story. It's kind of like a um, Lovecraftian madness. Mm-hmm. Is like what I got from it you know like uh, they witnessed you know like the same way you would I would say you witness Cthulhu yes yes like the the god mm -hmm. Cthulhu Lovecraftian god mm -hmm. um yeah he kind of like if you look at him in anything like you get the madness mm -hmm. you know like uh I feel like that that was very similar, except they wouldn't be pulling Cthulhu up onto the deck, so it must have been some real, some real shit. Yeah, I also, I'm a real fan of, um, really, like, cryptic and, um, like, surrealist kind of thing. It's funny because, um, I know for me, a lot of the stuff that I write actually tends to fall sort of in that realm, but, um... This sure. one felt a little bit less, like, uh, regionalized. It, it feels like it could have been pretty much anywhere, um, with the exception of, like, the Angelica, um, the Angelicized names, for the most part. But um, sure. I, I know that a lot of the stuff that I tend to really like is, like, very, like, American Gothic. Like, you know, you're driving down a highway, you see the same man three times. You're, like, <laughs> dust, dust pours out of your mouth, you wake up the next morning as if it never happened. But there's all this dust in your car. Stuff like that. <laughs> that shit's nuts. <laughs> I, it's like my That's favorite. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> and you got that kind of vibe? I did from this, I think. Because it has, like, that cryptic, like, you don't quite know. There's no real, like, concrete description of yeah. what's going on. It's mainly talking about the effect that it has on them. And I did like that. I was just going to say that unsettling stories like that source, they usually go like 
two ways thematically, mm-hmm. uh, but a couple ways genre. Mm-hmm. And like some genres we usually read from them are like body horror yeah, or yeah. like uh, bugs or monsters. Like monsters <gasps> is probably the category this falls under. Uh-huh. And then there are bugs. like two <laughs> ways they thematically tell the story. Mm-hmm. And like one is like seriously and, you know, like like you would say cryptically. Mm-hmm. And the other way would be almost over the top like gory and very specific yeah so they they do flip flop those ways but i'm glad that we got something that appeals to like your kind of mm-hmm. eccentricities thank you yeah this was Thanks. very in line very in line with my interests i really really enjoy stories like that so cool and you know it's it's all in reference to your name but now we're gonna we're gonna get into the real meat of the episode which is stories to read alone at night Mm -hmm. which we talked about uh for a little bit but anyway stories to read alone at night um we've read these on both of your other episodes and they are super cool and super creepy and i don't know if i've read these with many other people Oh, that makes me feel special. These seem like a very... It's almost like you have a um, very specific um, appeal, or at least I see a very specific type of appeal with reading these stories with you, because they are... They're all around 10 pages long. They all have been, at least. Mm-hmm. And they're unsurprising in their just solid way to tell a quick story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember this one from last time, but in your last episode, we read one about finding a TV, mm-hmm. like behind a brick wall fireplace. Yep. Um, and just reading through it was, was really crazy, but it wasn't bad, you know, like it just, it does interesting things. Yes, exactly. No, I actually really enjoyed the TV story because, um, there aren't very many stories that I read of this nature that like despite the fact that I am, like, the a big fucking baby about scary things, ironically, considering that this is the podcast <laughs> I choose to appear on. Um, like, there's very yeah. few of these yeah. that we read that, like, legitimately upset me at the end of them. And, like, that one was, like, very upsetting. Like, I was, like, very... I was very bothered. Yeah. There I was were, unsettled. There were a couple things... There were a couple things that it did that were on the lines of almost poltergeisty but also a little like mentally health you know like um like a little bit of like a schizophrenic kind of thing was going on yeah exactly um at least that was the effect it had on the on the narrator Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just you know yeah exactly it's good shit it's it's just funny that you brought up poltergeist too because god that was like the movie that turned me off of like scary things as a small child (laughs) because I remember my mother being like, Oh, we can watch this together. It's not that bad. And I remember child me being like, Oh fuck. No, this is bad. bad. Yeah. I never liked the clown, the clown. No, that's I was just about to bring that up. That gave me, I I don't, I'd say that I don't have a full on fear. I didn't like, I didn't like the tree, but the tree didn't really scare me. And the hairy, the hairy housen ish, ghosts weren't very scary i think the the realer stuff like the the mirror mm-hmm. the mirror yeah, was creepy. i was just about to bring up the mirror because that bothered me the mirror bothered me the most 
I hated yeah. that fucking clown. I hated that. That made me afraid of clowns. Yeah, the clowns for got... like the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, the clown doing weird things. I could have dealt with. It, it's when it's when the face changes yes. that I'm just like, nope, I don't. It's I don't like this anymore. No, it's it's the teeth. Like for me, it, like even in real life, like if I'm Absolutely. if I'm walking around, you know, on the block and there's a clown and he's you know doing balloons and looking generally disgusting as clowns tend to look, um, I like you know I'll leave him alone. Like I'm not gonna punch a clown in the face because I know he's just a poor motherfucker trying to do his job, right? But like, uh, I don't do haunted houses because those there's always clowns and they always have teeth and they're always like touching me and shit and. <laughs> I don't even like. I don't even touch my friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good any... point. Maybe I, maybe I haven't been to haunted houses or anything too recently. But none of that shit's ever happened to me. And maybe it's because <laughs> I'm a chubby dude, and clowns don't want to get up in my shit. No, see, I'm I am short, and I'm short and small and compact and easy for a large clown to pick small. up and pitch through a S-M-O-L. fucking window. <laughs> rude <laughs> so yeah I do, i'm not gonna take my chances i prefer to be clownless in my life while we're still kind of on that topic this story is called mr stringy and oh i i think it's one of two things like a like a nickname for something mm-hmm. or a physical yeah. doll that i that uh, i i get like a i get like a slender man vibe off of it Mr. Stringy. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's it's just Slender Man. It's just straight up Slender Man. She's like, look at my doll. And she's just like holding Slender Man's hand. And he got these stringy arms. Mm hmm. He's a stringy motherfucker. Mr. Stringy. Mr. Stringy. Um, Okay. So I'm going to read this. This is Mr. Stringy from Stories Treat Alone at Night. Aunt Cicely died. She was my wife's great aunt and last surviving relative. My wife, Emily's parents, died in a car accident when she was a freshman in college. It was then that she reached out and began communicating with Cicely. Cicely was old even then and something of an eccentric. She lived alone on a 10-acre plot of unincorporated land about 70 miles south of Pendleton. She was a spinster who devoted her time to watching her stories, as she called them, and making dolls that she would donate to terminally ill children. Oh boy. <laughs> Great. So it's one of those stories. Right. Oh, oh. Mr. Stringy gives kids cancer. Emily and I married soon after graduation and used her remaining life insurance money for a down payment on a small house here in Portland. During that time, Emily would call Cicely a couple times a month and regularly send care packages which contained everything from simple necessities to materials for her dolls. For all I knew, that was the extent of their relationship. I had offered to drive us out to visit her on more than one occasion, but she always demurred, making some excuse or other about how it wasn't a good time. I soon stopped offering. Over time, Cicely began showing signs of dementia. It started small often with her repeating the same story or asking the same question two or three times in succession. It was a slow descent at first that soon began to snowfall. On more than one occasion, I'd catch Emily crying after talking to her. She's perfectly normal at first, then she starts talking about those damn dolls. She'd explain. 
Mr. Stringy is being feisty or Mr. Stringy won't stop bothering Ralphie. Ralphie was Cicely's dog. He'd wandered onto her property one day and decided to stay. He filled his days hunting rabbits or stealing Cicely's spools of thread only to vomit them up later. That's the name. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, my wife would call Cicely repeatedly without an answer. That's when things would get really tense around the house. Being unable to reach her, Emily would then call the local sheriff to do a welfare check. He'd drive out to Cicely's property and find her confused and disoriented. I urged my wife to put her in a home, but she said that Cicely wouldn't have it and that there was nothing we could do to make her go. When Cicely failed to pick up the phone after two days of incessant calling, my stomach sank. The sheriff called us later that day to inform us that Aunt Cicely had passed away. He gave Emily his condolences. Emily spent the rest of the day on the phone making arrangements. As it turned out, Cicely had prepared for everything in advance, so there was little to do. She had requested and prepaid for a cremation, asking only that her ashes be spread on her land and naming my wife as her sole heir. We should go out there, I told her that night. I could tell she was hesitant, but I felt it was important. They can mail anything that I need to sign, she said. Besides, she explicitly said that she didn't want a memorial, so there's no point. I spent the next day doing my best to convince her. I told her she'd regret not going. She was family and was nice enough to leave the land to us. She finally relented, and we left the next morning. We didn't know where we would stay, so we packed our camping gear and food as a precaution. That afternoon, after a few wrong turns, we were pulled off at a gas station to ask for directions. Inside the mini-mart, we found the sheriff, who had stopped in for a cup of coffee. He said he was glad someone came out for Cicely. It was a shame that she lived alone like that. He gave us directions, pointing out the landmarks to look for us for as most of the roads were unmarked. On our way out, he pulled me aside and gave me a pained look. <clears throat> You're not planning on seeing her, are you? He asked, doing his best to avoid making eye contact. I don't think so. At least my wife didn't say anything about that, I answered. Well, this isn't something I'd bring up in front of a lady, but she was there for a while before we found her. She was just so remote. He stammered. Look, he finally said, I don't want to upset you, but something had gotten to her body before we did. Probably rodents. Well, she was chewed up pretty good. He leaned in close and whispered, They got her eyes. It's best if you don't see her like that. I was speechless. I nodded to the sheriff and wandered to the car in a daze. It was only a short drive to Cicely's home, but we never would have found it by ourselves. The whole area was a confused grid of dirt roads. Pulling up, we found a dilapidated double-wide set among a field of debris. The place looked like the beginning of a landfill. We exited the car, <laughs> and after a brief survey of our surroundings, I knew why my Emily hadn't been keen to visit. This was a mistake, she said. Let's go home. Why are you laughing? Because it sounds like they just drove to North Carolina. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. 
No big was, deal. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but we'd already arrived, and I still thought... I still thought it that the trip was the right thing. I still thought that the trip was the right thing to do. It's getting late, I told her. I don't think we should be driving on these roads at night. Why don't we spend the night and we'll leave in the morning? I could tell she wasn't happy, but she agreed. We'd, we'd never watched a horror film before. We, uh, we know to stay on a dead person's <laughs> property at night. Like, I just, honestly, who would do that? Like, dead, like, I'm sorry, but if, like, no. I went in somewhere and they were, like, some, like, if, I would, I would never do that, I would rather get lost ever. on the dirt roads in my car all night, because I know I wouldn't fall asleep, than fucking sit somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere. In a trailer that somebody died body in. in a house. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no thank thanks. you. I'm good. You can take that back. You can keep it away from me. I won't be doing that. So here ever. it goes. The bullshit <laughs> continues. We decided to explore the trailer to see if there were oh any loose <laughs> that needed to be tied up. I have to admit that I was hoping to find some long forgotten valuables, <laughs> but kept that part to myself. The oh, door... so he's one of those. Yeah, he's one of those fuckers. The door was unlocked, and upon opening it, we were hit with a stench that nearly knocked us to our feet. Knocked us off our feet? Anyway, it was a potpourri of rotting food, garbage, and stale air. We stood at the Oof. doorway for a while, hoping it would air out, but it didn't. Once we're we still gonna stay our, here, though. We're gonna, yeah, let's no, let's go, no, let's go into the room. Once we braved our way in, the smell was obvious. The entire trailer was strewn with piles of garbage. Stacks of newspaper and magazines sat on top of old food containers. The jet, the detritus of a hoarder. The kitchen was full of dirty dishes, all with food in various forms of decay. Once I adjusted to the stench and filth, I noticed the dolls. They were everywhere. Uh. <laughs> they were large, soft dolls that she had sewn together from various types of fabric, complete with button eyes and hand-stitched smiles. Um, did you did you happen to listen to the episode that was released last week, or even a little bit? I haven't had a chance yet. It's called Odd Kids, and it is very much about children that look made, like put together by various pieces Ooh, and I um, don't like that no it's a very good story very good story uh, episode mm -hmm. I want to say 62 very good story um, so if this is anything even remotely like that then I am I ain't fucking with it I actually oh man I had a friend and he was living with his grandfather for a little while and this is exactly what the house was like because his dead grandmother step grandmother excuse me love dolls and they were just everywhere oh, it was so fucking creepy mm -hmm. like there was a nativity scene in the fireplace and like there was a pool with trees growing out of it in the backyard i just like i only went to that house like twice and i was like this place is cursed as fuck dude like, <laughs> twice twice is too much yep twice is after the first <sighs> he time he was my I'd friend like, yeah. <laughs> he was my friend the friendship was i was, was 16 I'm still alive. Sure. No, Personally. yeah, that's a good thing. That's, yeah, no, that's a good thing to say. It wasn't just the multitude, but the fact that the dolls had all been posed in various still lifes. <laughs> yep, doing, it was exactly like fun, that. I'm doing fun poses. 
Four were seated at the kitchen table with rotting food set neatly before them. I found one perched casually on the sofa watching television, and even one in the bath donning a shower cap. <laughs> I just switched screens so I could watch you do the <laughs> Everywhere you turned, you were greeted by a blank stare and a dumb smile. I don't even know. We shouldn't have come. <laughs> we shouldn't have come, <laughs> Emily said, clutching my yeah. arm. She was right. Emily is the only person with any sense here. <laughs> <laughs> she was right. I wanted to find comfort here, not the realization that her last relative have lived in squalor and neglect, not to mention creepy, creepy creep creeps. Creepy motherfucking dolls. <laughs> we slowly made our way through each room. I was keeping an eye out for buried treasure, scanning the piles of refuse for anything that might be of value. Venturing into a narrow hallway that led to the bedrooms, we found something entirely different. Dolls lined the hallway, some missing limbs, all of them mutilated to some degree. In the guest bedroom, we found one with a pair of sewing shears sticking from its forehead, and yet another impaled with a fireplace poker. It was as if we wandered onto the scene of a Harlequin mob hit gone awry. Oh. <laughs> All those years of dismissing Sicily's erratic behavior as eccentric or a bit of dementia were betrayed by the face of mental illness. In the master bedroom, the sights were the same with the exception that all the dolls in the room were all missing their eyes. If you looked close, you could see the loose threads dangling from imaginary sockets, the telltale signs of trauma. An overturned bookcase blocked most of the floor of the bedroom, forcing us to walk around the bed to make it to the other side. It was there that I spied a large trunk set against the wall. It looked to be an antique and possibly the only thing of any value in the trailer. I tried to lift the lid, but it was locked. I thought about forcing it open, but decided against it for fear of looking insensitive in front of my grieving wife. We were walking back across the bed to leave the room when I noticed a large, old-fashioned key on the nightstand. Not thinking, I picked it up and returned to the trunk. The key was a match, and an instant later, I had the lid lifted open. I was expecting to find a stockpile of cash, or at least a family keepsake, but found only a doll. It was soft, like the others, and large, at about 40 inches tall. Oh my, that's like three feet. Jeez, that's that's more than three feet. Yeah, it's a big fucking doll. Fucking A, dude. <laughs> If yeah, no, no, thank you. No. <laughs> put, I'd be like, okay, I don't put want it back. Lock, Thanks, lock I hate it. Case, <laughs> set the house on fire, leave, collect insurance. Yep. Yep. Thanks, I hate it. Catch me piling bricks on top of the case before I light the entire house ablaze. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it had red yarn for hair and ebony buttons for eyes, so we know it didn't have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of anything with <laughs> ebony eyes <laughs> well red hair <laughs> red hair <laughs> oh <laughs> look at me focusing on its gym. creepy button eyes <laughs> yeah sure sure black button eyes. I was so focused I was so focused on how horrified I am at the idea that a doll that large exists that I completely overlooked the joke <laughs> no that's 
That's okay. It's still like this is the size of a small. This is the size. Of a, it's the size of a small child. I mean, it is. <laughs> it is though. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like kids oh. or dolls. It has large <laughs> red lips sewn to it that gave it a wry smirk. I lifted the doll and showed it to my wife, who was on the other side of the room. She flinched when she laid eyes on the doll. That's Mr. Stringy. She said. He's the one <laughs> he's the one she was always going on about, I asked. She nodded. Do you wanna keep him? I asked. But she just shook her head. Put it back, she said. I don't want that thing in our house. I put the doll down, like she asked. Then we waited our way back through the carnage to the car. The sun was already beginning to set, so we pitched our tent and prepared to camp for the night. I made a small fire and we sat down to eat some sandwiches and enjoy a bottle of wine. Before long, it was pitch black out and you could no longer see the trailer from where we were camped. I'm sorry, I finally said, breaking the silence. If I had known, I never would have suggested we come out here. Emily nodded, peering solemnly into her glass of wine. I came to terms with it, you know. She finally said. My parents, I mean, that was a long time ago, and I dealt with that. I know you did, I said. I know you did. We stared blankly at the fire for a while longer before climbing into the tent. The air was still and quiet, save the occasional crackle of fire. Once settled in the tent, we laid silently, drifting off to sleep, when suddenly Emily broke the silence. She was an outcast, you know. I know, I answered. No, I mean, it wasn't her choice. My great-grandparents abandoned her. My mom told me that once. She said that before my grandma was born, Cicely had another sister who was only a year younger. I guess their parents always favored the younger sister and pretty much ignored Cicely. That's why Cicely started making dolls, so she'd have friends to play with. It wasn't long after she made Mr. Stringy that the younger sister got really sick and was bedridden. My mom didn't really know the details, but she said that the younger sister later died and the parents blamed Cicely. Cicely insisted it was Mr. Stringy's fault and that it was an accident. They sent Cicely away and my grandma grew up thinking she was an only child. I'd never met Aunt Cicely, but after hearing that story and seeing the trailer she lived in for so many years, the tragedy of it all made my heart sink. She'd spent her entire life alone, spending her time making dolls for sick children. I was lost in thought only to be brought back by the sound of sniffling. S the sound of sniffing. Do you hear that? I whispered. I could hear Emily nodding in the darkness. The sound grew louder until it was right outside the tent. The walls of the tent trembled as something began to scratch at the nylon, and we laid there, paralyzed and trapped. I reminded myself to seriously rethink my stance on gun ownership if we survived this. I grabbed the flashlight tightly and got to my knees. I tried to look brave for Emily, but I'm sure she saw my hands shaking. Look, I finally said, it's probably a coyote. I never heard of one attacking a human. If we just make some noise, I'm sure it'll run away. We counted to three and broke out yelling and hitting the sides of the tent. It went quiet for a moment, then we heard the sound of something whimpering outside. It went on for a minute or two until it was too much to bear. I'm gonna take a look, I said, arming myself with a plastic flashlight while I unzipped the door. I craned my neck out of the tent to see a dog, whimpering there in the darkness. It's just a dog, I said. 
It's Ralphie. Emily said, opening the tent flap wider, stood before us, was the most pathetic dog I'd ever seen. He was shivering in the cold, and the ribs poking through his matted coat suggested he hadn't eaten for days. He swayed his head from side to side, revealing that one of his eyes was caked shut with dried blood. I got up from the tent and tried to approach him, but he kept his distance, whimpering and swaying his head to watch with his good eye. I poured some water and put out some lunch meat, which he greedily devoured. We watched him eat, and I turned to see the tears streaming down Emily's cheeks. She patted Ralphie on the head and crawled back into the tent. I followed her, and a minute later, Ralphie scratched at the door. We exchanged looks, and I relented, unzipping the flap to let him in. He looked us up and down a last time before curling up to sleep at her feet. Thank you, Emily said. He smells worse than the trailer, I replied. I don't think either of us slept that night. Every time I would come close to dozing off, I'd get jolted awake by the sound of crashing. Sometimes it sounded like metal, sometimes the sound of dishes breaking, only I couldn't determine if it was real or just a dream. Did you hear that? Emily finally asked. It's just raccoons, says guy who will rationalize anything in a horror film. They must have made their way into the trailer, I said, trying to sound convincing. <laughs> Raccoons laugh? She asked. You heard laughing? That's what it sounded like. Children laughing. Well, raccoons have shrill calls. I guess it could sound like laughter, I said, hoping it was true. I strained my ears but could not hear anything other than the sound of our breathing. Slowly, the tent started to grow lighter. The sun's coming up, I said, pulling myself up. Let's go now, Emily replied. We sat up and got out from under our sleeping bags. Ralphie was still sound asleep. What are we going to do with him? I asked. Emily answered that we could decide that later, but that we couldn't just leave him. I shook him and called his name. I kept shaking him, but he wouldn't budge. He was cold. I looked at my wife and I saw tears welling in her eyes, and we, we climbed over him and out of the tent where we were surprised to see it was still night out. What? The light was coming from the trailer that was now engulfed in flames. <laughs> we approached, oh but were stopped dead <laughs> in our tracks by the sound of screaming. Someone's in there, my wife said frantically. No one's in there. We're in the middle of nowhere. You need a car to get out of the You need a car to get out of here, and there aren't any cars around. So it's raccoons. <laughs> there were a lot of things in that trailer, I said. I don't know, but I'm sure there's no one in there. I went to the tent to get our backpacks, but Emily stopped me. Leave it, she said. It's time to go. We drove straight back to Portland without saying a word. I was at home a few weeks later when the mailman came to our door with a package. At first I assumed that Emily had ordered something from the internet, but was disabused of that notion when I saw the return address. Who was it? She called from the kitchen. Um, no one, just someone selling something, I muttered. I stole myself to the bathroom, package in hand. Once the door was locked behind me, I opened it to find Mr. Stringy peering up at me through his button eyes and wearing the same wry smirk. 
Wait, I thought he was three feet tall. Okay. I don't know how yeah. he fit in a package. Okay. I mean, if he's soft, they can just cram him in there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> His, like, little cramped <laughs> face just, like, poking out right mm-hmm. A note fell Hello, from... Hello, I'm demonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A note fell from the open package, and it was from the sheriff. It said that he found the doll in the perfect shape just a few steps from the trailer. The rest was a total loss. He said he was sorry for our loss and to contact him if we had any questions. Without hesitating, I put Mr. Stringy into the bathroom trash and emptied everything into the bin outside. I didn't want to upset Emily, but to be honest, the sight of that doll just stirred memories I just... I would rather soon forget. But that wasn't the last I would see of him. I spotted him clutched tightly in the arms of a wheelchair-bound girl at the mall. Months later, I saw him again in the arms of a blind boy grocery shopping with his mom. I approached them, trying to warn them, but ended up rambling like a madman. The mother reproached me, telling me to mind my own business. I insisted, but it was no use. She grabbed her son by the shoulder and abruptly turned away. I watched as the two marched away. The boy made his way carefully with Mr. Stringy flopping over his shoulder, his ebony ebony eyes looking right at me. I know I was in a state, but I swear I saw Mr. Stringy's plush red lips part, revealing a grotesque smile of a yellow fang-like teeth. Ew. <laughs> couldn't couldn't just let it go. Could had to make it have no. yellow fang-like teeth. Yeah, honestly, I'd be cool if they just like ended it. Like yeah. I like you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times these it stories went... get like it just wasn't good. It was probably the worst of yeah. their stories. Yeah, it like it like lost its. It had like potential. There was some really good potential in there, and then they ended it like that. And I'm like, okay, great. Stringy has teeth. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah, what, what more do we need to know? Um, yeah, I have teeth too. Does that make me scary? Sure, <laughs> sure it does. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you want to read this one and I'll follow along? This one's pretty straightforward. This one's called Floyd. All right, sick. Floyd. With a name like Floyd, he has to be Floyd. Evil, right? The question is, is, right. is Floyd the victim or the yeah. monster? Let's find out. Stories to read alone at night. Floyd. Em, I know I've been dragging my heels getting this to you. Truth be told, I was a few pints in when I agreed to do this and am now reluctant to retell the story. I've changed a few details because I don't need to get into trouble at work, I'll refer to myself as Mrs. C, but the story itself is accurate. I've included the backstory for your readers, so feel free to edit that as you see fit. I just ask that you leave in the bits about the conditions at the schools because sharing that with your readers was my sole motivation for writing all of this down for you. This all occurred during the 2008-2009 school year. I was a song junior in high school. I was... I was 14. So you were a freshman <laughs> in high school. Yeah. Yes, a baby. Probably a probably an 8th grader, actually, because I was a little old. Sure. I'm, I missed the cutoff date. Sure. Alright, anyway. I teach 3rd grade in North Portland at one of the worst performing schools in the state. I know that a lot of people blame bad schools on bad teachers, and while I've met my fair share of bad teachers, that's not the case here. The teachers I work with are some of the best and most dedicated that you'll ever meet. You have to be if you want to last in this environment. To give you an idea of the challenges we faced, most of my kids come from broken homes. 
Their parents are poor to the point that kids come to school hungry, their clothes are often filthy, and basic hygiene is a constant problem. I used to ask my students about this, but you can only hear that they don't have any food or that their water was shut off so many times before you have to start insulating yourself from the true reality of it all. The school provides a free breakfast and lunch for all the students, so that helps out tremendously, but I still keep a supply of peanut butter and jelly in my desk for the really neglected ones. The result of the free meal programs mean that the school doesn't have any money for art, music, PE, or teacher assistance. Basically, the whole operation is on life support. God damn, the story's already too real. My class that year was pretty typical. I had 33 or so students, and almost all of them were performing below grade level. Almost immediately, I was taken by this one student, Floyd. Floyd was pale, white, awkward, and wore a Grateful Dead shirt on the first day of school. He talked about the jam bands he'd seen with his mom, camping, and his various adventures with his dog, Rufus. Floyd wasn't just the seven-year-old reincarnation of Jerry Garcia, he was also a great student. He was above grade level in reading, he was well-behaved, and he got along with everyone. I think he was so far off the social scale in terms of what's cool or not that the other kids had no choice but to like him. The year was off to a pretty good start. I didn't have any really challenging kids, which afforded us some time to focus on the arts. I'm not artistic in the least, but I know that being exposed to these things is integral to a good education. So I'd bring in my guitar for some sing-alongs and purchase my own art supplies to try and teach them the fundamentals of drawing and composition. Damn, what a bomb-ass teacher. Right. The kids and I enjoyed the drawing so much that we made it an ongoing project. Each week we'd look at famous paintings and try to dissect them to find out what the perspective was, how it was shaded, and the various shapes the artist used to construct the images. Then the next day we'd set to work on creating drawings to try to utilize what we had learned the day before. Like I said, Floyd was a model student, but as the semester wore on, he started to change. At first, he just became withdrawn. Then one day, he flat out fell asleep in class and started screaming. Rufus, he's here. Repeatedly. I woke him, but he didn't have any recollection of what had happened and became embarrassed when he saw the other kids laughing at him. <laughs> Don't laugh when at I me. Asked... <laughs> poor, poor baby, poor Floyd. When I asked him about it later that day, he said that he didn't get any sleep the night before because his mom had a friend over. Oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> and they were up all night performing a cleansing ceremony. All right. That was a euphemism I hadn't heard before. Me neither. <laughs> Is this going to be like that one? Um, do you, you, did you ever watch The X-Files? Do you like The X-Files? Yeah. yeah, I've watched all The X-Files. Remember that one episode? It's like early in season two, I think, and it's got the satanic PTA. Do you think it's going to be like that? <laughs> oh, shit. That's a left mm -hmm. field one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see it being that's... a little bit like that. I mean, that's I think it's, me. it's still isolated to just... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> it's still yeah, isolated no. to just Floyd and Floyd's mom. So unless we start mm -hmm. hearing more, more people or more parents. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. That's how it's going to be me, though. I'm going to be like, hi, Helen. I noticed that you made lemon squares, but I'll have you know that my chocolate chip cookies are blessed by Satan himself. <laughs> also, good. your kid sucks at soccer. <laughs> it's the best way to be. Oh, yeah. It wasn't long before I met Floyd's mom at the parent-teacher conferences. Here it goes. It begins. She was an attractive woman with long hair and a natural hippie look. 
She spent the entire conference telling me about herself, the concerts she'd been to, and her life on the road. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Forgets I have a kid. <laughs> Anytime I'd mention Floyd, she'd simply say that he was a good kid and that her little man knew how to take care of himself. Then she had the audacity to take a phone call during our conference and even walked out with one of my pins. Needless to say, she didn't rank very high on my charts. <laughs> I knew something more serious was going on when Floyd forgot to bring his lunch two days in a row. Floyd always brought his lunch because he said that the school food was full of hormones and he preferred tea natural food. I asked him what happened to his lunch and he told me that his mom was away visiting a friend and that he had run out of the grocery money. When I pushed, he said that his mom left a lot, but it was all right because Rufus, Rufus kept him safe. The whole thing was just sad. I gave him my stash of PB&J along with all the money in my wallet for groceries and alerted the principal to the situation. A couple of days later, he returned the money along with a nasty note from his mother telling me to mind my own business. I'm pretty sure it was written with the pen she'd stolen from me during our conference. Fresh. <laughs> I am the mom. <laughs> Forgets I have a kid, neglects him, steals your fucking pen, and then writes you a passive-aggressive-ass note with it. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Then tragedy struck. Floyd burst into tears one day during our art lesson. When I saw his drawing, it was obvious what had transpired. Floyd said that Rufus had spotted a squirrel during one of their adventures and broke free from his leash to run after it. He said that he held Rufus while he died. I'm a dog person, so I know how hard it is to lose a companion, but Floyd was inconsolable. I've had students who've gone through everything from divorce to seeing a parent go to jail, but I've never seen a kid shut down like this. I tried talking to him on several occasions and referred him to the school counselor, but he just seemed to get worse. The other kids avoided Floyd after this. He became the weird kid that nobody wanted to be seen with. He'd fall asleep in class daily. I'd wake him up at first, but when he told me that he couldn't sleep without Rufus to protect him, I'd just let him sleep. Then one Friday, things came undone. Floyd had slept most of the morning as was usual at this point. He woke up during the math lesson and that's when I noticed scratches near the bottom of his neck. I pulled Floyd outside and took a look. He had a series of scratch marks around the base of his neck and the shoulders that ran all the way down his arms. Floyd said that he had done it while playing in the park, but I knew that scratches like that weren't the result of playing. I gave the class an art lesson and went to see the principal. She was out for the day, so I left her several voicemails. I called the school counselor and wrote a report of what had happened. I returned to class where the kids were busy drawing, but at this point the bell had rang and the kids scurried out for the weekend. I was locking my door about an hour later when I saw Floyd duck into the bathroom. I followed and found him standing against the wall sobbing. He was terrified. He said his mom was gone for the weekend. But you're her little man, I said. Your mom said you can handle yourself. You don't understand. He said. He's waiting for me. He knows how to get in. Ooh. Ooh. He started to cry again, but he was shaking so hard his legs gave out and he crumpled onto the dirty linoleum. That was enough. I sat with Floyd and waited for him to calm down. When he finally came to, I gathered his things and drove him to my place for the weekend. I pretty much assumed this would get me fired, but I knew that nobody else would help him. The weekend was actually pretty enjoyable. Floyd was his old self again. We went grocery shopping, cooked, explored the parks, and practiced chords on the guitar. By Saturday, the event, by Saturday evening, the events that transpired the day before seemed but a distant memory. 
That night I woke to find Floyd standing next to my bed with his sullen brown eyes worriedly watching me. Floyd, I asked, what's wrong? He's outside. He answered, his voice cracking. Who's outside? He followed me. I was finally awake enough to focus on Floyd. He was shaking and his hands were busy twisting the front of his t-shirt in knots. Nobody knows you're here, not even him, I said. Nobody would have known unless they followed us, and I was watching to make sure nobody did. Floyd nodded. He seemed to be buying what I was saying, though I have to admit I wasn't completely sure either. After meeting his mom and seeing Floyd's scratches, I assumed that there was abuse taking place at his home. If it wasn't his mom, it could very well be one of her jilted ex-boyfriends or even Floyd's father, for all I knew. I told Floyd to sleep in my bed, and I slept in front of the bedroom door on a blanket. I didn't get any sleep that night. The thought that somebody someone might be waiting outside to hurt Floyd was too much for me. It's easy to insulate yourself when the abuse is taking place at home, but being thrown in the middle of it is an entirely different manner. I got up early that morning and drank some coffee while Floyd slept. The kitchen and living room of my small apartment looked undisturbed, so I chalked up the events from the night before to Floyd's imagination. It's funny how the morning light reveals everything is much less sinister. We spent that Saturday running errands, enjoying some fresh air. We went to the weekend market and lingered over a vegan dinner at his favorite food cart. By the time evening came, I knew I could no longer postpone the inevitable. So what do you say, little man? I asked. Do you want to see if your mom's returned? Floyd pulled up his hood and shook his head. She's not there. He mumbled. Do you want to come back to my place for one more night? I heard his head nod. I saw his head nod from beneath the hoodie. Okay, but you can't tell anyone, I said. I could get in serious trouble for this. Do you understand? He nodded and we headed back to my apartment. We practiced some more chords and he stayed up drawing while I watched TV. I must have fallen asleep because the next thing I remember is waking up on the couch. It was late and the lights were all turned off. It was pitch black save for the clock on the cable box. It was after three in the morning. I sat up in the couch waiting for my eyes to adjust to darkness when I became aware of a slow but persistent breathing. I figured it must it was Floyd, he must have fallen asleep on the floor somewhere. I searched the room but couldn't make out anything in the darkness. The breathing grew louder, raspy. I called to Floyd, the breathing stopped. He came back. I heard him say, his voice scratchy and monotone. There's no one else here. We already went over that, I said. Do you want a glass of water? You don't sound so good. You lied. Said. I thought I could trust you, but you lied to us. Floyd, there's no one else here. Everything is going to be okay. Where are you? I heard a rustling in the darkness and then a crash of what sounded like books hitting the floor from my bedroom. I got up from the couch and headed to the bedroom, but it was still so dark. I put my hands out in front of me, searching for Floyd in the darkness. Floyd, where are you? It's me, Mrs. C, I said. You lied. He responded hoarsely. You lied. My eyes finally adjusted to the dark and I looked up to see Floyd perched atop my bookcase looking down on me. <laughs> like a fucking gargoyle. Floyd, get down from there, you'll tip it over. <laughs> I said. You lied. He screamed until his voice broke. With that, he flew down on top of me. <laughs> he screamed and I tried to calm him, but before I could get a word in, I felt his nails dig into my arms and pulled down towards my hands. Fuck, Floyd, I screamed. 
My forearms burned and I could already feel the blood running down to my palms. I looked up just in time as my bookcase came crashing down on top of me. Thank God for cheap furniture, as it didn't do any serious damage. Bless Ikea. <laughs> Ikea, yeah. Those this sweets. is actually just a really long Ikea commercial. It's like, ah. <laughs> I pushed the bookcase aside and flung myself to my feet, still confused as to what was going on. You lied. You're a liar. Floyd screamed. He jumped onto my back, my nails his nails digging deep into my chest. You lied to us. He said, and before I could react, I felt his teeth sink deep into the side of my neck. He bit, and I could hear the skin tear as he pulled his teeth away. I yelled for him to stop. Floyd laughed wickedly in my ear, jumped from my back, and ran into the living room. I put my hand to my neck. <laughs> I'll never do my homework again. <laughs> I put my hand to my neck. It was wet with saliva and blood. Then I heard the front door open and slam shut. I ran after him and caught sight of him running down the back alley of an apartment complex. I called his name and ran after him. Floyd, it's okay. I'm, I'm not mad. It's okay. I kept repeating. This bitch is lying. I'd be mad <laughs> as shit. Like, <laughs> out of my life. Out of my life. Out of my world. Out of my apartment. I'd be like, you bit me, you little shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> I finally made it to the alley, but he wasn't there. I called after him repeatedly, but it was no use. I ran back to the apartment to get my keys and shoes, but when I turned on the lights, I was shocked to find the word liar scribbled hundreds of times over my walls and furniture. I drove all over the neighborhood looking for him, but there was no trace. By the time I got back to my apartment, it was already light. I went to open my front door, and when I looked to see that the entire lower half of the door was scratched up. The scratches were deep and vertical. Needless to say, I called in sick that day and several days after that. The principal and counselor both called me at home inquiring about the messages I left regarding Floyd. He hadn't shown up to school since that Friday. They said that neither he nor his mother were anywhere to be found. I spent the next couple of days packing and tidying up the apartment. I was expecting the police coming to, to be coming to me for, excuse me, to be coming for me at any moment. That's when I noticed the drawing Floyd was working on that night. I was at home that Thursday morning when I heard a loud knocking at my door. It was the knock I was expecting. I got up from my bed and threw some clothes on, but when I opened the door, there wasn't anyone there. I started to close the door, but when something caught my eye, there on the doormat was the pen Floyd's mother had taken during our conference. <laughs> I returned to the school following Monday. I guess she gave the pen back. <laughs> so everything's fine now. <laughs> there you are, you salty bitch. <laughs> And everything was business as usual. The principal told me that Floyd and his mom must have moved sometime during the previous weekend, an occurrence that wasn't particularly unusual given the neighborhood we were in. As far as anyone was concerned, that's all there was to the story. I thought about going to the police, but I knew there was no way anyone would believe my story. I'm not sure if I really know what to make of it myself. It's been a few years now, and the scratches on my arms still haven't entirely healed. The blood still seeps from time to time, usually when I hear the scratching on the door. I, it used to keep me up at night, but I've learned to ignore it. I just hope he'll realize that I'm not going to answer and leave me alone. <laughs> well, that took an, that took an ending I didn't quite see coming. I I don't know how I feel about it. I like I kind of like that she's just like 
yeah, no, I'm not going to answer the fucking door. Fuck off. Like, she... <laughs> and, that, and she's just okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, one one bad situation, and she's just like, all right, never never coming out again. <laughs> see, you, see you later, guys. Same, though. I mean... <laughs> see you later, work. See you later, everyone. Big fucking mood. Um, I also... I, I just wish... I just wish whoever wrote it would like explain even a little bit what was going on with with Floyd. With little Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> did, did he have like a multiple personality? Like um, there was an episode HBO did this episodic series. It's called like Room Four Hundred One mm-hmm. or something. Four Hundred Two. Uh, really good. One of the first episodes is about a, a babysitter having to watch a mm-hmm. kid in um in the motel room. Uh, for the duration of the episode, and he uh, eats her. He'll be like, he'll he'll go into the bathroom and come out and be a different person, and he'll go into the bathroom and he'll come out and he'll be like, "You don't want to see that other person. You don't want me to have to like get huh. him." Yeah, there there are a couple twists and turns, but I feel like that's what this story was trying to do and like failing at doing. See, I like I immediately went to like demonic possession. Because I was like, sure. that's what I went for. Cause, just because they mentioned the cleansing ritual. But that was also like the only... You're right. That was like the only like paranormal thing though. You know what I mean? That was the only hint. It was like... And it wasn't even really a that paranormal thing. Hint. Yeah, it was just like a like a vague like wave. It wasn't even like... It didn't even touch paranormal. It just kind of like waved at it from across the room and expected it to notice. It was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I felt like it had a really, like, it had a really solid backstory and really good stuff going for it. And I think that it could have been really cool, but then it just, like, I don't know. I feel like it kind of didn't stick the landing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm kind of, I'm, I'm relatively upset that the last couple times we read them, the stories aren't that I great. Know. It was like. Because <laughs> the other stories, I feel like, were, were at least a little, a little haunting. Mm-hmm. Or at least vaguely upsetting. Um, I guess the idea of Mr. Stringy is haunting, and I guess the idea of being haunted by a, a little fucking kid that you will never find but keep hearing and shit. It's kind of, like, creepy when you sit and think about it, but ultimately, like, not my go-tos for Mm-mm. for being for being scared, like Robert I, Doll. Yeah, no. I, I think that the first story was definitely the best one in this particular set. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Unsettling Stories, which, guess what? Uh, we do another episode like this. I pretty much have all a whole bunch of unsettling stories Ooh, saved for you. Fun. I, I was I was scrolling through what to read today and I was like, let's just read those two longer guys, get them out of there. Mm-hmm. But um I have a bunch I have a creepypasta save for you, which we haven't read in a while, and I have a whole bunch of unsettling stories saved for I'm you. So excited. And I'm also doing things where um Yeah, we could also do a longer thing. I'm starting this as we get closer to 100, I'm trying to do more serious stories, uh-huh. so I'm trying to do stories where we read, like, maybe part one on an episode, and we come back for a part two, and then we come back for a part three. Like, mm-hmm. um, we recently did that with something called Whistlers, which was super cool. I think but, I know um, of that one, because the Whistler sounds very familiar, so. It's pretty much wilderness exploration goes butt-fucking wrong hmm. real quick. Um, really cool though. 
Um, them, but them. yeah, we'll we'll get you back on for another episode sometime soon. But well, what do you what do you have to say? How'd you how'd you feel about this uh, tonight's tonight's serving of uh, frightful fettuccine? I think that tonight's fettuccine had an excellent beginning, beautiful first course, and then it didn't quite stick the landing. It was like trying to do a really sick backflip to impress this like cute girl, right? And then you do the backflip and sure. it's cool and you like get in the air and everything, but then you just land on your ass and like break your tailbone. Mm-hmm. That's what I think mm-hmm. happened. Sure. Sure. So like, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's, it's fair. It's fair. Um, still worth reading. It just, but just a, didn't quite, yeah, yeah. didn't quite hit that like perfect sweet spot. I still encourage everyone who even re- remotely liked any of your episodes to go and and look for stories to read alone mm-hmm. at night and and maybe you know check out the material yourself um check out give that give that site some hits i'm sure it's from early 2000 ha, something perfect so so am yeah, i me um, and the site have that in common <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything you want to you want to say before we stop recording um... kimball I'm Kim trying to think if I have anything like super witty and hilarious, but you know what? Like a like a sign, sign off. off. Um. Uh, even after reading that first story about the horrible um sea creature that they pulled forth and drove all of the men mad and drove them to commit suicide, like I don't even uh-huh, care. Uh-huh, I'm still uh-huh. down for that. So, fish men, hit me up or fish ladies. Kanye West, <laughs> fish, a fish gay sticks. fish. Yeah, bring gay me the fish, honestly, honestly bring sticks. me the gay fish. I'm ready. It's like it's coming back. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The dawn of monster fucking is upon us. <laughs> <laughs>